I used to be a nervous goalie, and that was the build-up the day before I started to get worked up about it. And I went off into this unknown world. And by the time the bell went in the dressing room to go out, I was a bag of nerves. My stomach was churning. I'd been to the loo four times. And then I'd go down the tunnel and I hit daylight and the 40, 50, 80,000 and went, yep, this is what you've chosen, boy. Throw the switch. Bob Wilson. What a man. Not only goalkeeper for my beloved Arsenal in the 60s and 70s, but twice Scotland's goalie. My hero. I think any goalkeeper feels lonely underneath your crossbar in between your posts, which is a massive area anyway. People don't realise, you know, it's eight yards wide and it's eight foot high and it's not just a big area, it's a chasm. I was a goalie too, you know. Okay, now St Matthews in the north of Glasgow didn't win the double when I was between the sticks, but we weren't too bad. No, we won some stuff. And that makes me a member of the goalkeepers' union, me and Bob. Me and Bob, yeah, we both know how easy it is to go from hero to zero. Except he went back again to hero. I remember clearly the errors that I made in my career and the moments of despair that I had and the sleepless nights that I had after that. You know, you think about it, this thin tightrope that a goalie walks, that you are very capable of falling off at any opportunity. I mean, it's horror for me. Oh, yes. The loneliness of the goalkeeper. What is it about goalkeepers? Are they a breed apart? They're the only individual in what is a team game. In other words, the other ten guys can make numerous mistakes in a game. Even the star striker, he can miss five, six, eight chances in a game and score a winning goal in the 89th minute of a match and he goes home the hero. And the reverse situation that is the goalkeeper, this lonely individual, the only one who's allowed to use his hands with the purpose of, of negating the game, with the whole purpose of a game of football is to score goals. And the one villain in the piece is the bloke between the sticks, the goalie. And all the other ten guys around you understand that as well. They do think you're crazy. You are putting yourself in this position where for 89 minutes you do the reverse, you play brilliantly. And in the 90th minute... You make a, a positional error or the ball moves, swerves and dips and it looks as if it's your fault. I've got this image of goalkeepers, mostly because I was that goalkeeper, that leapt for that high ball only to see the ball go into the back of the net. And that, that moment, can you explain to me that moment, Bob, when the rest of the team are walking back to the halfway line as you're picking the ball up out of the net? You're alone. I mean, I can give you a very, very good example of a playing in an FA Cup final. And five days earlier, we've gone to White Hart Lane and we've become champions of England. And so we've got an opportunity to become only the second club that century to win the double. So we go and we're playing Liverpool. With everything to play for in the 1971 Cup final. And I've had the best season I've ever had in my career. And as suddenly Steve Highway cuts in from the left wing, I've probably got it wrong by a yard and a half. Highway on the edge of the box, a chance for Liverpool perhaps, and it's there! He strikes the goal and it flew in the back of the net. 1-0 down, the double's out the window and Bob Wilson is suddenly the guy who is likely to cost Arsenal the double. Steve Highway makes it 1-0 for Liverpool. And as I spun round on my pants on the, on the floor, Frank McClintock, our captain, put his hands on his hips 
and actually mouthed, you stupid... It didn't cost us. Charlie George won us the double. I finished up being Arsenal's Player of the Year in the double season. Fantastic. But to my dying day, when people meet me, they say, oh, what did you do with Steve Highway then? It always comes up. Not the million good saves I might have made. It's always about, oh, you got your near post wrong, didn't you? Now, here's a challenge that I've never understood. If you're a goalkeeper in a team that isn't very good, you're constantly vigilant, the ball's always coming at you. If, however, you're Bob Wilson playing behind 10 of the best players in the world at that time, for 89 minutes of a 90-minute game, you don't have a great deal to do. How do you stay focused? Did you remember the bionic man? Mm. When the ball was at the other end of the field, I imagined that the guy on the ball, the opponent, was Steve Austin. So he could turn around at any part of the pitch, 60 yards away, 70 yards away, 110 yards away, and strike a ball towards my goal. Rapidiana still on the attack. There's the cross in. Wagner with a header. Fantastic save by Schmeichel. Absolutely. By the byline, left footed cross. Here's the chance. Oh, must score and doesn't. Brilliant save by Basso. Tips it on. Left foot shot driven long. Schmeichel saves again. Great save. What a crucial man he is. Across the area, chance of Brazil, and it's not there. What a magnificent save by Gordon Banks. A superb piece of running by Jardino. Went down the right, crossed the ball. That's it. I take challenge. Go, Ned. I take off you go. Go on. Here we are. Sunday mid-morning, south coast of England, Brighton, and in the background you can hear some under 16s. 22 of them chasing a ball around a pitch. Well, actually, technically speaking, it's 20 of them. And there's two goalkeepers either side on their own, with no one to talk to, the game to watch, the backs of their colleagues and the face of their opposition. Almost poetic. It's me getting carried away with myself. Mom will cross the road. I'm here to meet a man called Jem Wall, who is an actor. That was a good wee tackle there, sorry. Slightly put off by a great wee tackle. Now, Jem is acting in a Peter Flannery play called The Boy's Own Story, which is all about a goalkeeper... Yeah, how are they? How are All right. So we've just kicked off then? We've just kicked off, but we're, we're about 10 minutes in and the Preston Panthers are a goal down, I'm afraid. Uh, was that a goalkeeping um, error? It was not goalkeeping error. I'm a fully paid up member of the goalkeepers' union. So <laughs> I think even if it had gone through his hands, I wouldn't have said it's a keeper's fault. Uh, no, it was a very good long range, long range shot and a very good midfield pass. So. See, now, I don't mean to be cruel, right, but see that goalkeeper there? Yeah. Is that our keeper or their keeper? No, that's their keeper. Okay. Our keeper's the quality-looking keeper with the yellow top All right. and the gloves. See, their keeper, that's exactly what I looked like when I was a boy. <laughs> I don't mean to be cruel. How would you don't describe don't... him, then? Well, slightly lardy. <laughs> slightly lardy. I don't play in goal, but I coach the goalkeepers down here. Um, but I have to say, when, when I was a kid, the idea of going in goal just baffled me I thought why would you want to go in goal I've never known I've always been fascinated by the kids who want to go in goal but later on in my life when I became an actor I ended up doing a play about a goalkeeper so I got to meet goalkeepers 
uh, I even did two days training uh, down here with Brighton and Hove Albion uh, as a goalkeeper and just became increasingly fascinated. They are they are the drummers of the football world, is how I've seen it. They are loners. Rock on. Because <laughs> I was a drummer and a goalkeeper. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, so there, there is a link. There is a definite link. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Ooh. no, no. Is that a goal? Sorry, that's 2-0 to the other team. Look at the keeper, he's looking skyward. And he won't pick the ball up. He won't pick the ball up, it's gone actually through the net. I mean, nobody, that should have been cleared. The cross should never have come in. No. But the goalkeeper got the blame for that. Yeah. But these goals are actually, these aren't full-size goals. But you even know what, so, Jim, you just take a look. Enough to exactly. me, so it's particularly unfair. <laughs> I think goalkeepers get a rough deal. I mean, when we were doing, doing the play, it was a very simple set. It was simply goalpost and net okay so full size and set in the penalty area of John McKenna the greatest goalkeeper never to play for England so he's asking for the ball talking you know as, players, as goalkeepers are supposed to do to keep, to keep themselves mentally alert and the thing is he never gets the ball they hate him the team hate him and they will never pass to him good tackle Dave lay off Dave come on Dave if you need me oh. alright don't then All right, well played Dave see what I mean They'd rather do without me. I'm the last line of defence. When I'm called into the game, it means they've failed. And they don't like that. Do you, lads? Of course, they're glad to have me here, just in case. Glad it's me throwing myself about. Glad it's my head that goes in when the boots are flying. But they'd do without me if they could. Wouldn't you? The object of their game is to score goals. The object of mine is to stop them. I'm here to spoil their game. I can't win a game. I can only lose it. So how can I be one of them? Not that I want to be one of them. When to them, I'm just a necessary evil. Go on, kid, have a shot. Let one go. No, 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 don't tackle it. I could have saved that. Greg saved the ball, tipped it up in the air, but not enough to put it over the bar. It came down behind him, and as he went for it, so he was charged by centre-forward Lofthouse into the net, ball as well. Greg has been taken... You put your head in there to be kicked. You know, I mean, I have multiple scars on my skull. I had a left ear torn off at Ipswich Town. I broke ribs, I had a punctured lung, I broke my arm, I broke my wrist, I, I dislocated an elbow for the sake of winning a game of football. Because that's sort of your trademark, Bob, wasn't it? You had no fear. Somebody described you, obviously, as an Arsenal fan and a Scotland fan, I think unfairly, Eric Todd in The Guardian said, to play the way Wilson plays, you need courage, speed of thought, determination and an IQ of 20. But it was right. I mean, my first idol was Bert Troutman, who who I idolised him because I could do what he did, dive headlong at people's feet. He's racing right on, and Troutman has to take the ball away from his toes. It led him into catastrophe nearly when he broke his neck in the 1956 Cup final. And I think Trotman's hurt. Yes, and so's Murphy. Looks like Murphy's knee and Trotman's head. Do you remember that? I remember it as if it was yesterday. And he played for 20 minutes effectively with a broken neck. It just built up this aura that I had about Burt. Now Trotman really does look hurt. And it's no fun. Bill Shankly did identify brilliantly something that, that separates goalkeepers, what he described as a desperate sort of courage. And he said all great goalies need a desperate sort of courage within their makeup. A goalie named John Thompson. Talking about a desperate sort of courage, you will remember John Thompson. That is desperation 
beyond. It was Celtic Rangers game. So he was and John Thompson, keeper John Thompson. Yeah, he stopped an absolute certain goal, but he lay down and he was unconscious and he never regained consciousness and he died. Uh, the game was at three o'clock in the afternoon and he died at nine o'clock that night. Goodbye, Johnny Thompson. Sure, the best of friends must part. But no more you'll defend the Celtic on the slopes of Celtic Park. I was a young goalkeeper. I played for St John's Primary School in Seven Oaks. Poet and keeper, Murray Lachlan Young. Keeper in the loosest sense of the word. We played a local big team, the sort of Manchester United of the area, which was Amherst School, and I think they beat us 17-0. The scoring of which goal broke the young Murray Lachlan Young? I think it was probably about 5 or 6 nil when I realised that there was probably only about 10 minutes of the game gone. The team had gone from being encouraging to looking the other way. How long did it take you before you went back in goal? I think about 32 years. It may just be a coincidence that you are a poet and a writer and a performer. I too, writer, to some degree a performer, broadcaster, ended up in goal. Do you think there is a commonality in, in that experience of the creative? For Maybe for people who think they're a bit special... Perhaps <laughs> perhaps it seems to be the ideal place because as a striker you can always be partnered with another striker but there is only one goalkeeper and he gets to wear a different strip than the rest of the team and has his own universe to, to operate in. The strange thing about being a goalkeeper is you're not part of the outfield team, you're a loner, yet you want to be relied upon. I know what you mean, I do. I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Wanting to belong but not wanting to belong. Because my idea was to get you to write a poem about goalkeeping and you've gone a step beyond expectation. What have you done? The idea for a, a ballad came straight to me. Being a, an Arsenal fan, lifelong, I still feel the pain of Paris and Naeem and, and for David Seaman. It was 95, the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup against Real Zaragoza. Yes, Cup Winners' Cup final. Well, Seaman was crucial to Arsenal's success in... Ozer playing there despite two broken ribs. He was crucial in Genoa. Those three critical penalty saves in the shootout. It's going to be down to David Seaman again. Unless someone can score the final minute of extra time, Merson plays it for... Seaman had been amazing all the way through the campaign and it was headed for penalties. And if there was a guy who was going to beat the other team at penalties, Big then David it was Seaman. David Seaman. So we were all waiting for the last whistle so David could come on and shake his thing again. We were waiting for Seaman to be the hero. Little did we expect. Which made it, made it even crueler. It's called The Lobbing of David Seaman. You're going to sing it? Yeah. Fantastic. Ah, come all ye teenage goalkeepers and listen unto me. I'll tell you of a goalie who went out to gay Paris. The gunners call him safe hands. David Seaman was his name. But that lonely night in Paris was his world consumed in flames. It was in the final minutes and the game was surely gone. With oaken heart and broken ribs he 
urge the gunners on. The crowd expecting penalties were whistling for time. Oh, but one cruel Zaragothan saw the keeper off his line. Less than 30 seconds left in Paris. It's one goal each between... So up steps Siemens nemesis, and his name it was Naim. He kicked a mighty lofted shot so high above the scene. Poor Siemens scrambled backwards to face this final card, to be beaten by a cannonball from over 50 yards. Wild shot, driven towards goal, and Siemens is back, and Siemens missed it, and it's been won by a fantastic strike by Naeem. Just seconds left. Oh, the tears of David Seaman. They defined the gunner's pain. But he could not change the scoreline and he could not change his name. So he took the well-trod channel of a man whose luck has failed. Oh, he posed for lifestyle magazines and he grew a ponytail. And Arsenal's brave, brave run here in the Cup Winners' Cup, defending their trophy, is over. 3-0. Well, look, look at him, look at him, look, look. Now this, this is the moment, this is what I'm talking about. There's some words between the keeper and the rest of the team. The rest of the team walking away, their backs to the keeper. Is there, Jem, a more lonely moment in your life? And he, if you know, he had to pick the ball out the net. It's like it's his fault. Even when it's not. And it wasn't, you know, but he'll feel that. And as his ponytail grew longer, the memories did fade. And Seaman soon was recognised as a master of his trade. A saviour for his country and a father to his team. No, but never could he wash away the stain left by Naeem. That 4-0. It's 4-0, it's not even half-time. We are getting taken apart here. I wonder how much of his confidence has gone a there. A lot. I bet a lot. Unlucky lads, heads up! So come all ye teenage goalkeepers and listen to what I say. Be careful what you wish for, for it might just come your way. And looking at your jersey, is it loneliness you crave? Or to be judged on what you miss? And not on what you save. Carriger heads the ball. Oh, it's a mistake by Judek. Carriger headed the ball back to the Polish goalkeeper. He just didn't pick it up. Extraordinary. When I think of how I used to feel when I let a goal in, ridiculous. That feeling of letting everybody down. Oh, I see. And Taibi has let it go right through his body and into the back of the net. That is an appalling goalkeeping mistake by I used to go home after a match at City and literally shed tears over a goal I'd let in, blaming myself for the one that beat us, going over and over and over in my head. Why didn't I go for the cross? Why didn't I see him coming in on the back stick? Where was my cover? Yeah, where was my cover? Was the full-back sitting at home crying his eyes out? Yes. Oh, it's been missed by Robertson. The ball's run into the net. Simeonich is going to claim this. Oh, what a howler that is by England. 
poor old Paul Robinson, the England goalkeeper, was undone when a back pass came towards him. He aimed a kick at it, missed, the ball went into the goal. It wasn't his fault. The ball bobbled. It was a goal. It was looked comic. It looked like Robinson's fault. He knows it wasn't, and yet it still destroyed him. Chief sports writer of the Times, Simon Barnes. Another writer, another man who spends his time alone hoping to make a mark on the world. And yes, another former goalkeeper. We're everywhere. See, I think I'm developing a theory here, and Simon's got a roll call of loners and mavericks to support it. Yes, the Renaissance goalkeepers. It's a fine list, and it begins with Albert Camus, author of The Outsider. All goalkeepers are, by definition, étrangers. But Camus famously said that all that I know most surely about morality and the obligations of man, I know from sport. Others include Julio Iglesias, uh, Che Guevara. Uh, che Guevara was uh, a goalkeeper out of necessity because he, he loved football, but uh, uh, he had asthma, so he would, couldn't cut it as an outfielder. The, uh, the late Pope, uh, John Paul II, was uh, also a goalkeeper. And Vladimir Nabokov, who uh, liked to be seen as sublimely different from the crowd. And this was what Vladimir Nabokov, a goalkeeper and occasional novelist, wrote about the higher of his two arts. As with folded arms I leant against a left goalpost, I enjoyed the luxury of closing my eyes, and thus I would listen to my heart knocking and feel the blind drizzle on my face and hear in the distance the broken sounds of the game, and think of myself as of a fabulous exotic being in an English footballer's disguise, composing my verse in a tongue nobody understood about a remote country nobody knew. Small wonder I was not very popular with my teammates. I think that's a, a beautiful moment of serenity that uh, only a goalkeeper can know in, in the middle of a game of football. That in the bustle of it all, you have time to yourself, time to reflect, time which many goalkeepers eventually used to destroy themselves, certainly to destroy their sporting nerve. Now, that comment by Simon, Che Guevara played in goal because of severe childhood asthma. Now, I've done a bit of research on that list of Renaissance goalies, and you know, Albert Camus developed TB as a youngster. Yes. Vladimir Nabokov nearly died of pneumonia as a child and then was traumatised by having to flee revolutionary Russia. Pope John Paul II... Mother died when he was nine, brother three years later. Makes you think. There is a sense in which uh, choosing to play goalkeeper does show um, understanding that one is not as other people, and certainly grief and trauma can do that, particularly in children. You make, uh, accept that your position is to be um, not the same as the rest. And what I consider proof from the BBC archives childhood goalkeeper and solo violinist emphasis on the word solo Itzhak Perlman four years old polio I did football I was goalie because I worked with crutches so I could stop balls a little easier than, you know I stop them with my feet with my crutches And this time you Norton going, so he shoots himself. A terrific one! And Sidlow just bangs it over the crossbar. He just bent like an arc of a bow there and just deflected that one. It was going right for the top corner there all the way and it was a lovely save by Sidlow. That was a grand shot, the grand save. When I see a great goal, it seems to me an incomplete experience. 
you should have a great shot followed by a great save to be a, a full, complete and rounded experience. I don't expect people to understand that. In fact, I hope people don't understand it. Being misunderstood is part of the goalkeeper's stock in trade. You wouldn't be a goalkeeper unless you wanted to be misunderstood. How can I not be obsessed with failure? If I succeed, what have I done? What have I created? Nothing. Even the poorest goals go into the record books. Great saves are forgotten. This could be a Panthers goal. So I love your eternal optimism. Yeah. You have the to, Panthers yeah. get somewhere near the 18-yard box and Jem's thinking it could be a goal. So that's 4-0 at half-time. That's not good. He's in tears. The Preston Panthers keepers in tears. Poor lad. The gloves are off. He's crying. Poor boy's crying. It's under-16s football on a Sunday morning. Can you hear that? I tell you what it is, the great goalkeepers. When all else fails, those guys in front of you, those ten guys, need to look round and say, the goalie will save us. Now, that's the difference once you acquire greatness, true greatness. And very few goalkeepers really acquire that, that aura about them. And one of the greatest? Gary Sprague. Brilliant keeper. But you know what? And this just about sums it up. It doesn't matter that he kept hundreds of clean sheets. Forget the cup and championship successes. Never mind that he saved the blushes of countless dodgy defenders. And there are plenty of dodgy defenders. The thing that defines Gary Sprague, the loneliest of all lonely keepers, is the goal he scored against himself in 1967 and he's not even Scottish gone yourself Gary son we were playing at Liverpool one day and uh, three minutes before half time cross came across I caught the ball Terry Cooper was on the left wing he shouted to throw it to him just as I was going to throw it to him I seen Ian Callaghan run to him so I changed my mind I've done it millions of times just brought the ball back to my chest but on this occasion I missed my chest and went over my shoulder and, and right in front of the cop and just as I was walking off, the, the DJ says, we dedicate this record to Gary. Des O'Connor just made this record, Careless Hands. I let my heart fall into careless hands. David Dunn gets the return ball from Derbyshire, lets the shot go, and it's gone through Leyman's hands and into the net. What a howler from Jens Leyman. Here come Estonia, and the shot given, and Robertson spills it, for goodness sake, he's a neck for Pranchard's shot from 25 yards and Carson was nowhere near it. Terrible fumble by the goal. That's the second half about to start and that's um, the Preston Panthers keeper walking back to his goal alone. Alone and four goals down. Do you know what? I wish I could say to you that I didn't know how that felt. I know how that feels. I remember now why I stopped being a goalkeeper. That can hold on to love. 
If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.